0: Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. hello, hello. Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast slash uh, weekly video live streams. Uh, my name is Katie Papo, and with me is the beautiful and charming Shahar Kovacs who also serves as our mindset coach for our clients and also my <laughs> mindset coach. Um, and the reason we're laughing at that is because he's been doing a lot of mindset coaching for me lately, as I've been having one of those emotional periods So, um, by the way, you're the best, you're the best client. (laughs) You're
1: you're very coachable. You're very resourceful. You're very committed. You're fantastic. (laughs)
0: Thank you. I'm showing up. I'm showing up for myself. So, um, we're going to talk today guys about what we like to call the screw it moment, which, uh, we'll define that for you right now. Um, because every person, I mean, who I've met who struggles with binge eating has talked about this moment as being the moment that we need to get a grip on. It's that time right before the binge where it feels like there's a dam. And all of your willpower is like, <laughs> you're like, it's like this sh- it, your willpower represents the dam, and there's this urge and there's this compulsion and these obsessive thoughts about food. And it's like they're all pushing up against this dam. And that screw it moment is right when that dam breaks and all of it floods. It's like the floodgates open. And no matter how much we care truly about, our goals and why we don't wanna binge and why we know this is bad for us, like all the logical reasons why we know that, no matter what happens, we still fall and we give in. And it feels like then at that point it all fell apart. Um, And not only that, right? Because then that's only phase one of the screw it moment, right? Phase two, then after we've eaten ourselves sick, right? After we've been eating frenetically, trying to fill whatever we needed to fill and we've eaten ourselves sick, we, we then go through that process of why? Like, why do I keep doing this to myself? What is wrong with me? I know this is bad. Like, I know everything that in theory, informationally, I should know, but I still am, there's like a disconnect here where as soon as that moment comes, it's like it doesn't matter what I know. Um, So when that happens, that phase two, we reinforce that feeling of hopelessness and we beat ourselves for not having the willpower. Um, And it all started with just that screw it moment of screw it. I might as well just eat whatever I want now. I'll start fresh tomorrow. Um, And then we set that intention, right? That's that's phase three is we set that intention. Okay, I'm going to start again tomorrow. Um, starting tomorrow, I'm back on the diet. This is the last hurrah. I'm just going to eat everything bad, quote unquote, bad tonight. So that way tomorrow, um, I'll be better and it'll be different. But at least for me, and I know it's true for the people who we work with, we know deep down that this is not the last time we're going to break this promise to ourselves we know deep down that tomorrow we're going to struggle with the same thing why because we struggled with it yesterday and the day before that and the day before that and even the days where we went without binging there's still the desire to and there's still the oh i hope i don't so we never really feel mentally free there um so so while All of this is a cycle and we could probably even break this down into multiple talks to go through all of it in depth. What we wanted to cover in this talk today is specifically around that screw it moment, like that pivotal point where the floodgates open and all of the self-sabotage that comes after. So in this talk, we want to cover uh, why the screw it moment happens. Uh, We want to also cover how to prevent the screw it moment from happening without depleting your willpower. Uh, We also want to talk about I'm I'm reading, by the way, so if my eyes aren't with you, that's I'm just reading Um, why you we're going to talk about why or sorry, what you can do when it does happen, like when you do binge and the floodgates do open like, okay, so what now Um, and, and what strategies can you use so that way you can. Catch yourself at that point in the cycle so the the screw-it moments happen less and less in the future. Um, And finally, what we want to cover is what continued healing looks like as you keep progressing in your food freedom, which I have a story that I want to share with you at the end that was a personal experience that I had last week um, that will give you an illustration of what that continued uh, progress looks like. Also one thing I wanted to make sure I include in this talk, and I'm stating it out loud now so I don't forget, is when we talk about um, what to do after the screw up moment has already happened, I also want to give you guys some journaling questions that you don't need to do in the heat of the moment, but they're really helpful to do after the dust has settled. And maybe it's the next day, depending on what time of day that you've binged. But some questions that you can ask yourself so that way you're reinforcing progress with every binge. So that way, not only will every binge not set you back, but it'll actually fuel faster growth. So then you don't have to be afraid of them anymore, because when they do happen, you know you're going to come out stronger, you know you're going to come out more successful, and you know you're setting yourself up for this to happen less and less in the future. So it gives you a lot more feeling of control, um, and it also eliminates binges. So um, so let's talk about it. <laughs> um, and by the way, feel free to participate with us. Oh, good. Jen's here. I'm seeing the comments now. Nancy's here. I love seeing you here every time, Nancy. You're so solid. And- By the way, Nancy, it's your steadfastness and that energy of, I just continue to show up for myself. That is the energy of successful people. So good on you. And same with you, Jen, and I've been getting to know you. And it's very cool seeing you show up for yourself and embracing the challenging but worthwhile work. Um, And for those of you listening, please feel free to write in the comments. We're going to go over a lot today. So what I actually recommend in terms of writing things down is whenever you hear something that sounds like a good insight that you want to remember, something that stood out to you, maybe some of the journaling questions, write down your insights or things you want to remember in the comments. And it's also helpful if when other people do it, you get to read, they get to read yours and you pick up on things uh, that you might not have noticed. So let's begin. Okay, so the first area that we want to talk about today is why that screw it moment happens. So Shahar, do you want to introduce that?
1: Yes, of course. The like the he said the, 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 that that sensation of the screw it moment and what exactly is it? It's this like it's when we want to go numb. Now, why would we want to go numb? Like, why would we want to shut down everything? Because because we don't want to feel. Our body, right? We don't want to feel our thoughts because they become so overwhelming. And 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 Katie gave the example of um, of the floodgates, and it's actually a very good analogy of what's what's happening because we keep when we are fixated on food and we try to restrict it, we try to. I might or I have to eat this and not eat this. I have to avoid this and not have that. I don't want to binge. I don't want to binge. I don't want to do this. Uh, seven days uh, uh, passed since my last binge. I'm constantly fixating in my entire world surrounding food. And I'm constantly thinking, and it, it starts accumulating these this, this stressful thoughts. It starts accumulating just like water into a gate. Like you just, it just becomes more and more and more and more, and the pressure gets more. More And then when you get to that time, usually it happens a lot at night. And when we are all all our defenses, right? Everything cools down where we're starting to start relaxing. We're starting to, we let go of those. Now it's quiet, right? There's no distractions. When that happens, then all those thoughts are rushing through. So what do we want to do? We want to shut it down, right? We don't want to feel it because, or sometimes we feel it so much that it feels like numb. It's like when you have so much, uh, how do you call it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like something that keeps going in like...
0: Uh, Stimula, stimuli or...
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you. My God. <laughs> stimuli, getting too much stimuli in here. Like you get so much of you really don't hear anything, right? If we, there's too much so- noises and sounds, you can't hear any of them. You can't recognize one from the other. That's what happens to us when we binge. It's either too much or we shut ourselves down through the food. The food is the action, the binging of any sort, is usually the action of numbing everything else. There's no more my thoughts. There's no more me. There's no more my job. There's no more diets. There's no more dietitians, There's no more doctors. There's no more weight gain. There's no more weight loss. There's no more anything. There's just me feeling nothing. With and that's why it's very attractive, right? Because this is our, it's our own defense mechanism of not feeling. It's a break and from your brain. <laughs> exactly. And, it, and because it's the closest thing, right? And that's a good point, Katie, because it's the closest thing to relaxation we have because we don't know relaxation. We don't understand relaxation. We don't feel relaxed. We are We don't have a break from our own brain. So the closest thing that feels like it is binging. And the truth, it's not enough, right? It doesn't actually give you the the rest, right? Because then comes the afterwards.
0: Right. And I'll actually point out, because I actually wrote a post about this. That was, for those of you who are um, consider yourself to be more nighttime eaters, this will probably be super relevant for you. Um, But I did write a post a while back, maybe last year, about the energetics also of what happens at night. And one of the things that happens, and I'll explain it in terms of the elements. So like when you're, like how Shahar said, when you're feeling all those thoughts and that feeling and that, it, it's like this, you can't, I don't, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see my hand, but imagine like a swirling motion around your head, right? It's all these thoughts, I need to be here. I'm chronically busy, you know, and we have all those things. And then when we settle down at night, right? We, what we want is the opposite of that feeling right we don't want to be up in the air swirling around feeling chaotic right we want to feel grounded above all things right we want to feel relaxed we want to feel grounded and food really offers in a big way that feeling of grounding it literally makes us he- like heavier in that moment like it helps to it helps us to feel grounded um that's why things like you know maybe salad <laughs> isn't necessarily like a known comfort food because there's nothing grounding about it. It's so light, right? We feel that that comfort from the, the and think about even the the notion of comfort foods, right? It's those heavy ones, right? Because they they ground us. And so it it gives that sensation of relaxation as as far as we can get. But the truth is it's not real relaxation because if it were, we would feel rejuvenated after. Right. So it's like we want that feeling of grounding, but we're doing it in such a way where we're like putting ourselves like into the ground <laughs> rather than just being grounded. Um, and then of course, the other reason, you know, obviously there's more than one reason why the screw it moment happens. The other huge reason it happens, which we talk about all the time here on the podcast, is the uh, backlash of restriction. Right. If you've been restricting the entire day. Right. By the time it's by the time you want to settle down or you need a like some peace or some comfort. Right. Because if we're constantly exercising willpower, that's not comfortable, right? (laughs) not comfortable at all. So so we and we only have a certain amount of willpower. So if we're restricting, we're eventually going to have that rebellion or that backlash or that relapse, whatever you want to call it, where we say, ah, screw it. And then we go forward with with the binge, which is the opposite of the restriction, right? Because it, it represents if, if I'm in this food prison all day, and then suddenly I have this permission, semi-permission to eat whatever I want in a binge where I can just turn my brain off and just do whatever, that feels like so much freedom compared to what I just experienced all day. So then we go back. So, but the, but again, is it real freedom? No, because we, we don't want to do that either, right? So, but it's still it it's the illusion of freedom to the mind, just like um not dealing with the emotions, it's like the it's the illusion of relaxation also. So, so these are the reasons really why the screw it moment happens. Shahar, go ahead. Right. And I wanted to add
1: to that, this is also true, not just for restriction. And I don't want to go too much on a tangent on that, but they, it's also true for and something I saw like other coaches as well teaching is that, you're, that they try to teach you to be okay with a binge, right? Just like accept, like, not accept it, but like embrace it, right? Saying there's nothing wrong with you because there's a binge. This is just uh, society as a whole taught you, it's not, okay, you should binge as much as you want. And what it does, it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually connect to to you because you don't want to binge, right? Because you can't force yourself to be okay with it, and you can't force yourself to restrict yourself from it, because it's not about, it's not, it's not analytical. It's the this the binging, like I like we said, it's it's creating a sensation that mimics peace or relaxation. But it doesn't do that. It's like drinking beer, or alcohol to to quench your thirst. It mimics the sensation because, yes, it's something liquid going down the throat and it's a bottle and it's cold and it feels like it gives you that. Not Katie. (laughs) Drinking water. Perfect. So it mimics that sensation. But the truth is, it actually drains water out of you. And what the body really wants when it's thirsty is water. So when what the body is truly craving is relaxation, is rest, is rejuvenation, is trust. And you can't indulge it and you can't restrict it, All right? It doesn't work because it's not what your body needs. What your body needs has nothing to do with the binge.
0: Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the main things in understanding binges is understanding that the binge is the symptom it's not the actual problem it's the symptom of the deeper problem so a lot of times when people just try to fix the binge part they miss the the entire rest of the puzzle and then they're like well why am i still like this why am i still obsessed with food why do i still not feel in control why do i you know or why why does it feel like this is just going to be a never ending battle um and and people try all kinds of things you know and and le- we're never here to say that something is wrong or or right. Um, we just look at what has what works. <laughs> um, and, you know, different strokes for different folks. But some of the things I've seen that historically have not worked for people is number one, continuing to restrict after, right? By saying, oh, well, that was a horrible. I can't believe I binged like that. Starting tomorrow, I'm restricting, right? Because now you're just resetting the cycle. And we're going to talk about how to basically not do that and what to do instead in this talk. Um, some other people and I've done this before many times, um, like looked up, for example, all the health consequences or the damage that you're doing to your internal organs. Like the number of times I've Googled, like, can your stomach, you know, permanently stretch out from binging or can you know what what happens to your intestines if you don't if you keep eating too much over time? Like so we we tr- we might try to motivate ourselves out of what we're doing by. um Thinking about how bad it is if we keep doing it and what we're doing to ourselves. Um, because we are logical people, right? We don't want to cause harm to ourselves. Uh, and I've seen all I've I've heard that in conversations with people too. Sometimes they'll say, Oh, well, maybe if I if I get a health scare, that'll scare me into eating better, right? It's like scare yourself,
1: it's uh scare yourself straight, right? Just with right. food.
0: Exactly. And what we found is that also is not. Uh, super effective. Why? Because then what happens is when it when that screw up moment is approaching, and you're shifting from like the logical mind to the emotional mind, where all that logic isn't going to matter anymore, is you'll still have the information in your mind, right? But now you're just beating yourself more for binging, because you're like, Oh, my God, I really know how bad it is what I'm doing to myself. So I feel even more shame around it and more guilt around it. So what we want to propose today is an alternative to these types of approaches where you're fighting yourself and it's very stressful and you feel like you're never progressing and you're always ending up back at day one. What we want to do is help you basically get out of the loop. Right. So we're going to talk about how to do that um, now. Right. I think we can move into the let me just check my outline here. Yeah. How to prevent it from happening. Right. How do how do we start preventing it ha- from happening? Because there's two pieces here. Right. We need to understand how to prevent it from happening. But we also need to understand we or, or assume that it will happen again. Right. A few at least a few more times while you're learning. Right. Or many times while you're learning. But the bottom line is we need to understand the prevention process so we can work on work on it from that end. But we also need to understand what to do as the response to it. Like if you actually do binge, okay, I did binge, it's done, it happened, what do I do now, right? So let's talk about um, how to how to go at that from those angles. So the first notion that I wanted to bring up with you guys today uh, in terms of uh, both pretty much the prevention piece is to understand that in the heat of the moment, it's always going to be more challenging to implement something new. Always, because it's when we're at our most emotional, we think the least clearly and we're the least logical is when we're in that pre-binge moment. Right. So what needs to happen the rest of the time, right, is we need to start developing the habits that we want to have in those moments. But we practice in moments where we have much less stress. So that way we can work on practicing the habit, practicing the behavior, practicing the thought pattern. But instead of only trying to do it in the heat of the moment, you practice it in other parts of your day or when you're eating and it's, and you're not super stressed out or the stress is more minor, right? You practice in those moments. So that way you can build up your capacity. And then by the time the, um, the actual screw it moment is approaching, right? If that happens, then you're already gonna have a baseline. Now in the beginning, and we'll give you an analogy here. We already, we tried to think of an analogy that would be helpful. In the beginning, it's gonna be, uh, it's, it's not that it's just gonna disappear and you're gonna snap your fingers and the screw it moment will, you know, the clouds will part and God will come down and say, oh, you're free now. That's not how it works. How it works is, which is still good, (laughs) is that um, you're going to build up your, I don't want to say tolerance. I'm trying to think of a, Shahar, do you know what I'm trying to explain right now? I don't want to use the word tolerance, but you're building up like a baseline or a foundation of habit patterns.
1: Right, a foundation is a good way to describe it. Foundation is a good straight because like we said, the more you repeat a process and you develop a tool, it becomes more foundational, more core to our to our being. So so one one of the things I think we that we talked about in our past talks is one of the problems is that a lot of the times we try to force ourselves to have a healthy life, you know, that has been free and that we eat the food that we believe is good for us and we do all that, but we do that without the mindset, without the body being in a relaxed state, without the the healthy relationship with food. And it's like building a house on a weak foundation. It can be the most beautiful house in the world, but it's gonna collapse in a few days because that is the foundation. The foundation is keep coming back and keep rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding and until it's strong enough that you can build on top of it more. And that's how you build a building, like a pyramid.
0: Right, exactly. And one of the analogies that Shahar and I were talking about before we hopped on today was um, dealing with uh, how you deal with an emotion like anger. Right. Because similar to that screw it moment. Right. When we get really angry, it can feel like that same sort of thing, like an explosion. Right, where no matter how logical we are, or no matter how nice of a person we really are, somehow these horrible things like come out of our mouth when we're really angry or we have some kind of negative reaction. Now, so let's say, let's say, um, I want to work on my anger issues. Okay, so, and, and let's say um, Shahar is the one who I'm always getting angry at. This is not true, by the way. But let's say, so <laughs> Shahar smiles. So let's say I'm working on my anger issues, um, and I and I found myself like exploding at Shahar, and I'm like beating myself. Oh, why did I, you know? And then I say to myself, "All right, well, next time I get angry, I'm going to try to do this instead." So then the next time I get angry comes, but by the time I've gotten angry, I forgot my old intention. I even if I remember it, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just want to be mean, right? Because it's, it's not logical. It's, it's the heat of the moment. So if I were only going to try to make those changes in those moments when I'm angry, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take me a lot longer to make those changes. However, let's say I start implementing and, pre- and building those patterns in the rest of my day. Right. So let's say um, let's say when I interact with Shahar, period, like whether I'm frustrated or not, let's just say anytime I interact with him, I set the intention to use kind words or I set the intention to breathe deeply a few times before we engage in like a heated dialogue. Right. Let's say I set those types of intentions. So that way, anytime I'm in the presence of Shahar, who in this case would be like the trigger, Right. If I keep practicing in his presence, relaxing my physical body, relaxing my face, relaxing my eyes, relaxing my shoulders, practicing my deep breathing, practicing kind inner dialogue, kind speech. Let's say that's my focus. Now I'm building a foundation. Right. It's it's not just about me dealing with the anger in the heat of the moment. It's me bringing more peace and more kindness into the rest of my life. So naturally, when there's more peace, more kindness, there's less anger. Right. So so let's say I keep doing that and I'm practicing doing that during the day. But then one day, Shahar gets me really mad and I'm feeling myself like a volcano ready to explode. Now, in that moment, I might not think to myself, breathe, relax, use kind words, (laughs) right? Um, Or maybe I do, but I'm like, ah, screw it. And I have a screw it moment. Now, let's say I do then act out and I do lash out with my anger. Okay, On the surface, this could look like uh, uh, something negative, right? But now I'm in a position where I can um, check in with myself after and say, what happened? Right. I can say, where did it build up? When could I, have I, when could I have practiced my breathing, da-da-da, set the intention for next time. Now the next time rolls around. Maybe the next time we get through half of the argument before I catch myself. And then I bring myself to apologize and I breathe and I calm myself using the breathing and the relaxation. Right now, maybe the next time it happens, I catch myself after the first five minutes of the argument. Right. So I, we just nip it in the bud right there and it doesn't go past five minutes because I was able to calm myself. Maybe the next time it happens, I catch myself before I even before I even lash out. Right. So and then maybe as I keep practicing, right, then what happens? Then the anger doesn't even come up so much in the first place anymore. Right. It doesn't even build up anymore because I'm not constantly repressing. So there's nothing left to explode right so this is how you can see progress over time but notice how you don't make that progress by only trying to fix it in the heat of the moment you make the progress by um working on it the rest of the time so that way when the heat of the moment comes you can use that as a learning opportunity and to also it can also kind of be a barometer to show you where you're at right um but Every time you can see progress, every time you can see improvement. And how much more encouraging is that than saying, oh, well, now I'm back at day one. Oh, I went 10 days without getting angry and now I got angry and now I'm back at day one. All my hard work is wasted. Right. That's the, that. Haven't you said that a zillion times with the binging? <laughs> oh, I'm back at day one. This way you get the continued progress. So you're working from the prevention standpoint and you're working from the respo- the response standpoint
1: right a hundred percent and I want to add to that uh, think about think about the autopilot right if we everything Katie just said, uh, suggested we're interacting with another person that you don't have like a healthy relationship with um, it's basically the same thing with yourself right when we are interacting with food the food is never about it's never about the food it's the way we interact with ourselves when we binge it's not, because of the food. Food has no power. Food is a food. It's the way we interact with ourselves as if it's like two people. One says, don't do it. One says, do it. They argue, 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 screw it. Naming with binging, right? So that's the, the, it's the same thing, right? It's like when people, just two people arguing, at some point comes screw it moment. They just shout. Nobody listens to each other. Nobody cares. They just shout their opinions and moves on. So on the nature of autopilot, why we keep autopiloting and reinforcing a behavior is because we, every time we approach that 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 situation, even though it's a different situation, different people, different time, it's similar enough that we our mind sees that and says, "Oh, oh, I recognize that. I know what to do now. I recognize this person. I recognize this food. Okay, so this is what I remember we're doing here. It's like an autopilot." So the way you change an autopilot, it's not in one go. You can't just, it's not, you're not a robot. You can't just go tick, 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 and then then it changes. What we do, you keep reinforcing a new behavior. And the more you reinforce a new behavior, the more the old behavior, the old autopilot starts changing. So if, like Katie gave the example, that every time you interact with this person, if you're angry, for example, every time you interact with this food or interact with this uh, whatever trigger, emotionally or food-related issue, if you keep repeating for the mind, I want you not to be in stress, restriction, indulgence or whatever. I want you to start reinforcing uh, relaxation, breathing. And then it doesn't work in the moment. Of course it doesn't work in the moment, because like Eddie said, your mind is you're emotional. Afterwards, you can start reinforcing. And then before you can reinforce and then you keep doing that and then the mind and your body which is more important your body gets the memo and understands okay in this situation i'm going to act in this way so everything i know this very well as a martial artist artist martial artists people do that all the time right they, the reason their reflexes are so quick because they practice this into it and, and at some point you your reflex and your autopilot becomes so quick You don't need to think about it. So your new normal is, oh, I'm noticing scarcity thoughts. I'm noticing the binge thoughts. So my instinct is ah, relaxation. But like Katie said, it's not immediate. It's reinforcing and reinforcing more and more and more without the all or nothing mentality of, oh, I start from day zero. It's reinforcing with the any amount principle where you are allowing yourself to keep coming back, keep reinforcing, keep reinforcing the new behavior, keep reinforcing the new mindset. And then it becomes more natural. It becomes much more easier. And the slight changes will come, right? Instead of progress that looks like this, it looks like this, up and down, up and down, up and down.
0: Right, exactly. so, I'll just, I want to pause for a second and look at the comments. Um, someone said, Wow, I've already been practicing this and didn't even realize what I was doing. I was wondering why I was starting to show slight improvement in my binges. And that's exactly true. You're going to start to see improvements there. Um, and there's more. <laughs> We're not even through half of it. Um, and then a the, uh, question came in while this helps with binges, I can't see who, it just says Facebook user, but it says, While, while this helps with binges, how does it improve relationship with food? Shahar, should we answer that now, or should we save it for later in this talk?
1: I think now, why not? You already brought it up. So let's uh, say, let's, uh, um, you want to go first or should I go? You can go first. Okay, so why does it help with binge? Because like I said, binge is not the issue. Binge is not the core of the problem. And when we are interacting with, when we experience a binge, or we're about to experience a binge, or we after experiencing a binge, it's not about you and the food. It's about you and yourself. Like you said, it's when we solve and we create a healthier relationship with food. You can't have a relationship with food. Food. It's like you can't have a relationship with an inanimate object, but you can have a relationship with yourself. So, if we have a negative relationship with food, air quotes with the food, you're actually having a negative relationship with yourself. So, by reinforcing a healthy mindset, a healthy body language, a more abundance thinking, more relaxation, more reinforcing that, you're actually not helping with your binges. You are helping with yourself. And the stronger your core, your foundation, the binges, they're gonna start disappearing on their own because they are a symptom of a different issue.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's the truth is we and when we when we work with clients, any of them can tell you, we never focus on trying to get rid of binges because they're going to always go away on their own when the relationship with yourself, with food is healed or as it's healing. They'll start to less and less. So because more than that, more
1: than that, the more you try to avoid it, the stronger your connection is even the complete opposite.
0: Exactly, and that's why we wanted to go over this topic today because the thing is about the screw it moment is it's more than just about the binge itself. It's more than just about, oh, I ate too much and I feel like crap. What it really is here is it's, um, there's a couple pieces to it, but if we look at just even the one piece of being afraid of binging, right? Like if you go through your life afraid of binging, right? what ends up happening is you're continuously thinking about it, right? You're reinforcing the mental obsession. You're always thinking about it. And then you're constantly trying to avoid it, plan around it, make it so it doesn't happen, um, all those types of things. And when the fear of binging is gone and you've experienced uh, a binge in the sense of, um, I'm using this experience as my opportunity to explore my relationship with food and what just happened. And I'm also using it to explore how I can progress and actually learn from this and move forward from this. You are building all of the skills that you need to have a healthy relationship with food, right? Because you're building up resilience, you're getting rid of the all or nothing mentality, which definitely reinforces binges. You're embracing growth and progress instead of the all or nothing, right? now. One of our clients actually recently had this experience because she one of the big things that was actually holding her back is she was focused on trying to get rid of the binges. Right. And no matter what we said in the beginning, the fear of the binges were so strong. Now, eventually what happened as she was practicing as she would and after she would binge, she would come back and she would use it to grow. And eventually what happened is her fear of the binges went away when that happened she reached out and she was like oh my god i just realized i'm like no longer afraid of binging and i'm binging so much less than i ever was because the fear is gone right we're not giving it that energy so so again none of this is to is to say here's how you stop eating right this that's not what this is about this is about here's how you grow and you heal your relationship with food as you go um And as you do that, right, these these uh, urges or compulsions or these screw up moments, they happen less and less and less and less and less. And when you just focus on the healing element and you're not focused on I need to eliminate binges, but you're focused on I need to heal my relationship with food. Then guess what? When you heal your relationship with food, the binges, they don't exist anymore. Does that I think that, I hope that answers the question. Let us know if that answers the question. Yeah, that was great. Um, so now, hold on, let me check my list. <laughs> um, okay, so now we want to move into what you can do. So so already we talked a little bit about what you can do um, when the binges do happen, right? Because you're always working on the three things, you know, the main things that we always talk about controlling your physiology, shifting your physiology into your relaxed state, into your uh, parasympathetic nervous system, right? We're always talking about that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, start listening to our other podcasts because we talk about it very frequently. Um, And also we're talking about our... um, I just lost my train. Oh, I said this is what we were discussing. So we've already talked about how to... um, build up the skill sets in the rest of the day. So whether it's relaxing yourself, I mean, everyone's different. Usually with our clients, we boil down to like three or four major patterns for each person. And then they just work on those four things repetitively over and over and over. Um, But for everyone, like I said, it's different. Uh, But what we can do after the binge also is we can be Uh, Productive and use it in a way to serve us for the future. So that way it's not like the binge is a waste We can actually learn from this and we can use it to help us progress So I want to go over some um, and let me I typed them out for you guys For those of you who are on the video um, I Type these out for you. Um, I wanted to give you guys some journal prompts that you can use after a binge okay so this is what you would do like we've got the prevention piece right in a way we've got the and I call it the prevention piece because that's what it does but really what you're doing is just building really strong positive habits with yourself and with food um so you have that piece but then there's also the piece of okay okay if a binge does happen how do I react how do I learn from it so here are some good journal questions you can ask yourself so you can write these down um and by the way when you are You don't wanna wanna, uh, uh, do reflections when you're in the heat of the moment, okay? You wanna wait until you've calmed down. And not only that, but we especially recommend that you relax yourself very deeply. Like we give our clients like guided, um, deep, deep relaxations. Uh, before they even write their reflections. Because when you're fully relaxed like that, you get so much more clarity, so much less judgment, and so much more learning, frankly, comes from that. Um, But you wanna relax yourself, like you slow that breath way down. Those exhales only come out the nose and they are super duper long. You inhale so long and you exhale even longer, like you are really calming yourself. You're relaxing your face, your shoulders, your everything. Then once you're very relaxed, do your reflection Um, and that's how you'll get the best results from the reflection. So, okay. So here's some reflection questions and I'll go through each one of them and Shahar, feel free to just jump in whenever. Um, Okay. So first, like I said, relax first, right? Because you don't, you can't solve, um, what's that quote? You can't solve a problem with the same brain that created it. Right. So basically, as you're shifting and you're going from fight or flight to your parasympathetic, right, as soon as you're making that shift, then you're able to access better parts of yourself. that are actually going to be solution oriented. Um, So first, you relax yourself. First question you ask yourself and you write these down. First one is where is their judgment, okay? And this is just for the sake of building awareness because you wanna understand, okay, am I judging myself anywhere right now? And if I am, where is it? Just so I can be aware of it. We wanna be aware. We don't have to try to change it, but just write down where I'm judging yourself. So an example might be, um, I'm so pissed at myself that I binge. So yes, I'm judging myself, right? I'm judging myself for not um, uh, being able to have enough willpower, whatever thing you've been judging yourself for, you just write it down. You don't, And it's not a scavenger hunt. You don't have to look at every place you've ever judged yourself, but you write down whatever you're aware of at that time. Next question, where can I be kinder to myself right now? So what does this question do? Now you're shifting from judgment to compassion mode. And when you're in compassion mode, that is is very helpful when it comes to growth in in any area of life. Um, And when you're kind to yourself and when you're being patient to yourself, it gives space. It gives space for you to actually be solution-oriented and help you progress. So if you are beating yourself in one area, you can say, okay, well, where can I be kinder to myself? I can remind myself that, guess what? This is my first week of practicing this. Or, I was in a totally different habit for 30 years and I can be kinder to myself and encourage myself for doing something new and for not giving up on myself and for even showing up today. I can be kind to myself for that, okay?
1: Now, in addition to that, I would add, uh, notice one, notice from the question, where can I be kinder to myself right now? Notice that right now. And that one is very important because it brings you from the, the analytical where you're constantly thinking about the future and what you did in the past, what you're going to do. And it brings you to the moment. And the moment means you're in the body. It means you're not here in the brain, you're here in the heart. So that's the first thing I want you to, to notice with it right now. The second thing is when you, you, when you answer that question, where can I be kinder to myself, it's very important to use. And again, as long as you do it, right, there's no right way. Because in the end, it's you communicating with yourself. I can't tell you how to communicate with yourself because it's you. I communicate myself with one way, Katie, with herself in another. So, But what I would suggest is use the language of abundance rather than the scarcity. M- meaning, if I'm going to be kind to myself, I'm not going to say to myself, well, at least I didn't binge five times, or at least I didn't binge on 20 Oreos. It's instead of moving away from the things we don't want, and being kinder to ourselves towards the things we do want. So instead of me saying, "Oh, at least I didn't binge uh, twice," I can say, "At least uh, I can say to myself, I'm grateful that I'm here and I'm practicing to overcome this. Right? And I am doing something that is in a positive realm. And when I say positive, it's not necessarily like good or bad. It's positive meaning I'm moving towards something rather than negative, is I'm like moving away from something. Because it depends on what your your consciousness is. You want your consciousness to be on kindness and abundance, and not right. scarcity and and fear. Right. Which okay. is back to the point we made before, right? Like you don't want to
0: you don't want to scare yourself straight, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. We want to be compassionate, um, and that actually brings us right to the next question, which is: look back on your experience where was their restriction or scarcity mentality? And this is always important. We never teach people to like analyze the um, reasons they binge as in, oh, well, when I was a child and I was put on Weight Watchers, and we we rarely go there, but we will go into where was the restriction or scarcity in this experience? Because the more you're aware of that, that's one of the biggest, um, and we say this so much, One of the biggest uh, fuel for binges is restriction and scarcity mentality. I think it's the number one because so many eating disorders are caused by dieting. Um, So, I mean, there's all what we found is that behind every binge or before every binge, there is restriction somewhere. And some people make the mistake of thinking well if i'm not on a formal diet then i'm not restricting so that can't be the problem but what we have found is that it's not just formal restrictions right as in i can only eat this many calories i can only eat this many times a day or between these hours but there's the scarcity mentality and we see it in such small things right because when our clients are working through like learning from their last binges they send us their write-ups and then we give our feedback and one of the things that I've always seen when people ask um uh answer this question I see so many people write well I wanted to have ice cream after dinner and I knew I wasn't really hungry so I told myself I could just have a bowl of ice cream and that that would be enough right it sounds so innocent but when we actually look at that especially when you see it written down that's why we always have people write things down it's so much easier to spot things when you write rather than just think um it's that part of the sentence, I'll only have just, I'll just have one, or I'll let myself just have a piece, or I'll let myself just have a slice, and that should be enough, right? So already we're putting the shoulds on ourselves, right? We're shooting all over ourselves. We're already saying, oh, well, I'm just going to have one. So anything more than one, that's bad, right? So we're kind of setting ourselves up in this scarcity mentality without even realizing it. And then we wonder, oh, well, I had that one, now I want more, now I want more, now I want more, and it turns into a binge. Sometimes it's not just the screwed moment, we find that the binge kind of like keeps happening, keeps happening, it gets more and more out of control. That's one of the things that we often see is people saying, oh, well, I'll just have one and that should be enough. And then we, we're we like, well, it's not enough and now I want more and now. And so, so basically anytime you have a binge, it can be a very helpful exercise to look back On where you restricted yourself. And we had someone recently had, and I think it came because she did such a good relaxation before her reflection. So she was very clear. But she said, um, I realized I was putting this restriction on myself that I hadn't even noticed. She goes, I've been doing it for the last like three weeks. And she said, the summer's coming. So I wanted to be like, quote, unquote, bikini ready. So I've been subconsciously trying to restrict myself, even though I'm not on a formal diet, I hear myself saying you shouldn't eat that, don't eat that, you won't be bikini ready, you know, so so she kept putting these restrictions. And the more she piled on the restrictions, the more it started building up to the binge. Um, Once she noticed that, and she released herself from that pressure, it was like, (laughs) the difference was like night and day once the restriction element was gone. So so I'm giving these examples to show you guys how restriction and scarcity mentality can show up. We don't always recognize it ourselves, right? Because um, we're so used to thinking that way. So we don't see it that way. But the more awareness we can cultivate, the more we'll catch these things. And this is also why people like us have jobs, right? Because we can see the things that you can't because this is like what we do all the time. So we're so used to finding them. So it's very easy for us. Right. But this is the idea is why did it get easy for us? Because we practiced it so much. And we've seen it with so many people. And I've also done it, you know, myself with Food Shahar as actually, even though he was never a formal, you know, self-diagnosed binge eater, he definitely, you know, healed a lot of his eating issues too with this work. So We know that the more you practice, right? We always say practice is 99% of your success. So the more you practice locating, oh, that's where the scarcity was. That's where it was. Then you start having more awareness and then you don't do that as much. Or you catch yourself when you do. And then you're like, oh, there I go again with the scarcity mentality. And then we can correct the thought, right? We have so much more power when we're just aware. So that's what this question is for, is to um, help you uh, locate on your own where the restriction was, where the scarcity was, since that's always going to be behind a binge. Um, or I guess I should say almost always. I try to avoid, I'm, I'm trying to avoid these days using words like always and never, stuff like that. I'm trying to be more moderate. <laughs> um, so, okay, so that's next question. Let's go to another question um, let's do this one. So what intention can I set for next time to help my future self? So look at this. We talked about this with the anger example earlier in this talk. Okay. So we gave the example of, okay, well, next time I have the argument, I'm going to try breathing and I'm going to, you know, learn from it. Right. So we set the intention for next time. Do we always remember? No. But setting an intention does increase the likelihood that we will remember, for sure, especially if we write it down and we remind ourselves of it. Um, And then the question that sort of goes along with that is, what's a small action step I can take right now? Notice the right now, like Shahar pointed out to support myself. So in other words, what's something productive and positive you can do literally at this like in this moment? So that way you demonstrate to yourself and you're building that trust, you're demonstrating to yourself, I'm here. I'm showing up for myself. I'm working with myself instead of against myself. And here I am being a support. And the reason why this is so important, or I guess I should say one of the reasons is because we need to build up self-trust. And self-trust isn't something that magically happens. It builds up gradually when we are keeping promises to ourselves and we keep showing up for ourselves, right? Because when someone shows up for you every time you feel supported, right? If someone kicks you when you're down, you don't feel supported. So if you have a past history of kicking yourself when you're down, right? Now it's about turning yourself into that person who lifts you up when you're supported. So the more you do that, the more you build self-trust and the more you feel like you can depend on yourself. So when you do something small, it's never about the size of what you're doing. It's the fact that you're doing it. Um, And behavioral scientists have found that it's never about the size of the success. That's the big thing that matters. It's about how frequently you repeat it. So small things are much easier to repeat frequently. So, always look for okay what's the small action step i can take right now to support myself to reinforce that idea of building self-trust
1: right and it's also important to understand that all major wins pretty much every major win is something that every successful person understands is all major wins are accumulated small wins it's never one big deal one big thing one big accomplishment it's never works that way because that's just not how reality works. Every major win is an accumulation of small wins and big part of it is showing up to developing yourself. And the more you do that and the more you are it's the, it's the, it's fixing a relationship, right? The more you show up and you show that willingness and you keep showing up to repair, then it will you'll get what you're looking for. So if you're healing your relationship with food, the more you show up and, and with kindness, with abundance and and keep doing the practice, there's no reason that won't work. because The foundation will get stronger. Exactly. Okay, as long that, And the, like you said, the small wins just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. It's our tendency, because we're used to the extreme feeling of either being very numb or being full on diet mode, because we move and shift between those two extremes, we're not used to Keep showing up. We're used to major wins, right? The going to the doctor and he says you lost ten pounds, and everybody celebrates. And like, or they, oh, you gained three hundred. It's okay. Like we were used to like those extremes. Instead of saying you're showing up, you're showing up to the practice. Keep doing the practice. Keep doing the right and reinforce that as the win. That is the success, and it's a major success because, like I said, those small they make the big.
0: Also, allowing yourself to do something small, again, breaks down the all or nothing mentality and reinforces the any amount, which we talk about the any amount a lot here. Um, And that's always going to be steps in the right direction rather than like the pendulum swinging back and forth between the extremes. Um, And I'll give you guys an example. Like I said, I have a personal story I'm gonna share um, in a minute. I just wanna go through these next or this next question. Um, Oh, this one is one of the last ones we always teach is, OK, now write your wins. So you've gone through your reflection process. Right. We've given you a number of the questions we give our clients, like um, like all of the ones that I gave you today are from our list that we give our clients to answer. Um, and then the last one is write your wins. OK, you've reflected on your experience right now. Let's zoom out and let's look for your wins. Now, what are wins? Wins can be things that you're grateful for. Um, in relation to your growth and your progress. It can be signs of progress, right? So um, it might be something like, uh, I was able to eat with my family, and even though everyone else was eating really fast, I managed to keep myself calm and slow, and I was the last person eating, and I really enjoyed my food, right? That could be an example of a sign of progress, is you uh, found yourself... um, your behavior different than, than it used to be. Another sign of progress could be um, uh, a lesson that you've learned, for example. So let's say you did have a binge, but you learned a lesson from it. You notice like like one of our clients, I, I don't want to use her name, but when she said, oh, I had this like epiphany of this, I was restricting myself for the last three weeks and I didn't even realize it. So that win is the fact that she recognized a pattern that was holding her back and she acknowledged it. And now she's like moving forward from it, right? She's aware of it now. So the idea is wins. They're not always, they're, they're not, I binged or I didn't. Okay. Some people, and this is a, this is one of the things that I notice holds people back is people only see it as a win if they didn't binge and they see it as a loss if they did. And that again, that's, to all all-or-nothing mentality to, to gain progress from that kind of thinking. And so we need to look at, okay, well, um, what were some positive things that I did? So even though I binged, I still relaxed myself first. I ate much slower than I would have normally during a binge, let's say, right? Or I took a walk after to help myself feel better. You know, any number of those things. So it's not because it's not about just binging or not binging, it's we're rewiring our whole relationship with how we're dealing with this stuff. So all of these pieces, you know, it's not that we're just getting rid of the binge element. Like I said, this isn't really about the binge. It's about healing the whole relationship. So the more you're focused on, okay, am I speaking more kindly to myself now? Did I sit down and actually take the time to write the reflection? That's a win, right? Did I share with my sister, what's going on? And she was really compassionate and supportive. That's a win. Um, you guys get in the picture? <laughs> I could keep going. <laughs> um, someone, someone today posted in our, our, our client group, she said, today I felt myself wanting to eat But then I asked myself what I really needed and I discovered very quickly that I'm just really tired. And she goes, I'm working now, so I can't just take a nap, but I did sit back in my chair, close my eyes and breathe. And that in itself is a win, because I listened to myself and I calmed myself and I gave my, even though I couldn't take a nap, I still gave myself any amount of what my body's asking for. Um, And and notice-
1: Right, sorry. like like, Hades, I'm assuming she was about to say. Notice how uh, it's not about whether she binged or not. Right, that's right. not the win. The win wasn't I I walked or rested instead of binging. That's not the win. The win was that she was communicating with herself in a positive and a productive manner, where she actually gave the body what it wanted instead of giving the body beer when it wants to when it wants when it's thirsty. Gave it water. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't drink the beer when you want to drink beer. It's about what you are, what you need, and what you are giving to, and that can only come when you have a foundation of trust and a foundation of abundance and the amount principle.
0: Right, and that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> um, thank you. So, so yes, that's always the last step, and we encourage. I added that- my
1: own flair to it.
0: Oh, and your flair is always. I'm the one I'm, today I feel more flaily than, than flary. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, so, so the wins also, we always, we're always saying reinforce, we want to reinforce the wins. And we see people actually doing it more now in in our Facebook group. Um, we have a Facebook group if you're not in it, um, of, I think it's a support group. I think it has like 10,000 people in it now, but you know, sometimes there's these negative posts of, Oh, I feel so hopeless and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes there's these wins and we always encourage people as much as it's okay to, if you want to rant, rant, like that's fine, but let's come back to the productive. And part of the productive is looking for actively looking for things that are going well, actively looking for progress. And sometimes when you've always been beating yourself and you never really did that before, can be slow in the beginning, you're like, Oh, I can't think of any wins, I just feel like a failure. It's another reason why we say, you know, do the relaxation before the reflection, because then you'll be able to access those things. And you're going to be able to open your mind better. But there's always wins, there's always, and we can always see them. But the skill is you need to learn how to see them. Because change happens best. Write this down too. change happens best when change feels good. If change doesn't feel good, you will rebel. That is why we rebel from the diets because dieting does not feel very good. Right? Whether it's mentally, emotionally or physically, it doesn't always feel good. Right? Or maybe it feels good in the beginning and then suddenly it doesn't feel good anymore because we've been doing it forever. Right? So so the idea is we want change happens best when change feels good. So let's help ourselves feel good. Let's continue to reinforce um all of the things that we're doing well by actively looking for it on a daily basis like a daily practice of just writing your wins you you'll be amazed you'll be amazed um okay so let me tell you guys a little story of how this happened uh the other week so um i actually wrote this down while it was happening (laughs) because i was like oh my god i need to share this um so i was in i i just finished shopping at trader joe's i was really hungry and I had been craving dates for uh, like, at least a week or two. And I finally bought dates. And when I got in the car, all these people around were pulling at Trader Joe's is a stressful parking lot, and everyone was all over the place. So I decided to just sit in the car until everyone calmed down. So I'm sitting in the car and I was like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'll have some dates. I'm so happy. And as I was eating the dates, I found myself, hold on, I want to write, I took notes on this. What what happened? Okay, so yeah, so I noticed myself like um, eating the dates kind of frenetically, like I wasn't really tasting them, I was just sort of shoveling them in, shoveling, and, um, and I noticed myself getting like that, right? So already, and I'm sure you guys have noticed, like old Katie, Right. Old Katie would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so out of control. And now I can't stop. And now I need to go ahead and buy something salty to to counter the sweet. And now this is the start. And I ate too much. And now I'm full. And that's how old Katie would have handled the situation this time. Well, first of all, actually, my reaction was first, I just need to stop and pause. So I went um, I went to close the container. I even noticed I was closing the container while I was chewing which shows that I was not being present with my chewing. So instead, I took my hands and I said, all right, I'm just going to finish this bite that's already in my mouth, be present for it. So notice how it wasn't the all or nothing of, oh, I'll start at the next meal. It was, oh, there's still some bite left in my mouth. So I'm going to be present with that bite, experience it and then take a, a pausing moment. Okay, so that's what I did first. Then I was like, oh, that was so good. I did such a good job doing that. I'm going to write this down and give it as as an example in our next talk. (laughs) Now, here's the funny part. Well, it's funny to me Um, is as I was writing it down and I was like taking notes on what just happened so I could share it with you guys. I, my arm mindlessly opened up the date container and I start eating again as I'm writing down what I'm going to talk about to you guys. So, and then I noticed my arm was doing it and that I was chewing again, that I hadn't even realized I was like doing it. Um, And I went, oh my God, (laughs) I'm doing it again. So, um, What did I do at that point? First of all, I did not beat myself. It was just an automatic reaction. I said, you know what? Why did I just randomly reach for the dates? All right, let me pause for a second. I put the dates down. I put like half of whatever I just eaten back in the box. I said, all right, hands down, shoulders down, forehead relax, jaw relax, eyes relax, abdomen relax, hands relax. Breathe. And then I, it came up, oh, my God, I am so thirsty. And I was eating in that moment because I was so thirsty, but because the dates weren't quenching my thirst and I didn't notice that it was thirst and not hunger, I just kept my body kept reaching for them without even, my, without even me noticing. So I checked in my body, realized I was thirsty. And then I drank water, so I filled the need, whatever the need was that came up, just like how um, I gave you the example of someone who posted in our group today saying that she noticed she was tired, right? That was her need, so she gave herself a little bit of a relaxation. For me, my need was thirst, so I quenched my thirst. And then I just took a moment to re-relax myself, calm the body, deep breaths, Shifting back into the parasympathetic state. Was I a little overfull from the dates? Yes, but I can forgive myself, let it go, and just go home and you know eat normally when I'm hungry again. So that's the idea, guys. Is and that's what it looks like. You know, a lot of people. Um, but, the reason why. By I'm the way,
1: getting- by the way, even in the situation, even if Katie, if even if you had like. Noticed it, noticed everything, said all these things in your head, and still binge. You didn't even finish the entire box, but did it later, like even an hour later. Let's say you finished everything at Trader Joe's and came back home and then did it. That would be the same win. Right? Mm-hmm. Would be just as much as a win because again, it's about building a foundation, and this is we stress that because we he, because everybody was listening. Including us have the tendency <laughs> of the extreme, the all or nothing. About it's either good or it's bad. It's either the result I was looking. It's result oriented instead of growth oriented.
0: Right, exactly, and that's the idea. Is when you're, um, and the reason why I wanted to bring up that story, aside from the fact that it was eye opening for me, um, is that this is what it continues to look like, right? So I wouldn't consider myself as someone who's struggling with food now, right? I don't really carry that identity anymore, but I still had mindless moment, right? And that will happen to you too, right? anyone, even someone who's never experienced binge eating as like a disorder or something that they struggle with for many years, people have mindless moments. People have emotional moments, right? Look at any rom-com where the girl gets broken up with and she eats a bunch of ice cream in bed watching movies, right? People use food emotionally. People use, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but what I'm saying is, is that it doesn't need to turn into so much more than what it really is. And that's what the recovery looks like. Because some people are like, well, like, what is it? How do I know if I'm really recovered? How do I know? And this is an example or an illustration of what it looks like is you might still have those mindless moments just like a natural human, right? But at the same time, it's not taking over your whole day. It's not impairing your functioning. It's not making you sick, right? It's not eroding your self-trust it's not destroying your mental health right we're all still going to eat we're all still going to have experiences with food but it doesn't need to carry the same drama and the same suffering and what happens is you're going to get as you practice like all the skills that we've taught you today like we've given you a lot with between you know the moment that you start pausing to the reflection questions like we've given you so many tools today but the bottom line is the more you repeat those tools the more they're just going to start automatically happening You're gonna automatically go into your wins. You're gonna automatically relax your body and shift into the parasympathetic state. You're automatically gonna do that. So as you continue to do that, and that becomes more and more normal, look at how your relationship with food is now changing. Look at how your relationship with yourself is now changing. When you fall down, it's not, oh, now I've fallen and I can't get up and I'm back at day one. It's like, whoop, missed that step. And then you just pick yourself up and you keep walking. Right, that's the difference. And it's a huge difference because that's the difference between having a disordered relationship with food and not having a disordered relationship with food, right? Because the more we can bring ourselves back to listen to the body, to calm ourselves, pay attention to if what we're doing is actually serving us, the more we can build those skill sets. the more and more we're gonna have a smooth and peaceful relationship with food and with ourselves. The more we bring ourselves back every time we fall down and we bring ourselves back up, we reinforce self-trust more and more. So um, we wanted to give you guys these tools today so you can practice practice this in your day-to-day life um, and start to see how as the fear of binging starts to fall away and you can learn, use it more as a growth opportunity to, to foster your healing, then you're going to be able to... Um, reach your goals a whole lot faster and a whole lot more peacefully, which is what we're all about. <sighs> well, I'm all talked out for the day, I think. <laughs> I'm <a> little tired <laughs> of my own voice. Um, but thank God you're here, Shahar, to bring your voice to the table too, because- I bring the flare, day. you bring the flail. I bring the flail. I'm, and I'm sorry, guys, if any of my talks have seemed rambly lately, Um, I'm working on myself in a big way right now. And um, I am a little more rambly lately, so I'm still showing up, but (laughs) it's a little more flaily than it might've been um, in the last few weeks. So anyway, okay. So next week uh, we're going to be here same time, same place. Uh, If you haven't followed our podcast, you're going to find all of our past episodes there. So if you hear us referencing things you haven't heard about, or this is the first talk you're hearing from us, Check out our other stuff on our podcast. Um, my website's com. You can find links to all these things there. Um, what else? Oh, we have a program, okay, where we work with clients privately. Now, if you're somebody who really wants the handholding and you really want the personal attention, you want us to help you find your patterns, you want, you want the security of knowing that you're not missing things as you're doing your own practice, um, and you want our support and our guidance, uh, check out our program. It's, it's, we open it to a few people at a time. It's immersive. Um, I'm really not going to do a great job of explaining it right now. I've been, honestly, my brain feels a little bit fried in this moment, but check out my website. <laughs> I, I wrote it. I wrote it all down there. Um, but man, we've been talking for almost 75 minutes right, right now. The so, point is
1: basically for everyone, the best thing you can really do is do the practice we suggested. Give yourself the time, do the practices, and reach out to us, follow us. We, we're we here, we're open, we we love when we have people like Nancy and Jennifer and whoever else keeps following us and brings such good energy out there. And, so, and, and I want you to share that experience that, that you have with the group and keep sharing those experiences with us. We would love to hear it.
0: Jen wrote, Jen wrote, I quite enjoy the rambling. So keep it up. You guys are changing my life. I'm so happy, Jen. and Credit to you, you know, for really showing up for yourself and doing the work. And like we always say, the work is 99% of your success. Practicing is 99%. So there's always opportunities for practice starting now. So with that... So with that, we'll let you guys go. Thank you so much for being here and um, sharing this work and um, you know, sharing it with other people who are struggling. It's very important to us that this message gets out that binge eating is not a permanent condition. It's not something that is wrong with you. It's something that can totally be shifted and healed and um, and you can do it. So with that, we'll see you guys next week and we'll talk to you soon, bye.
1: Bye-bye, everyone.